Welcome to the St. Elias Report, where evil and heresy are exposed by the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ through sacred scripture and tradition of the one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I am your host and humble servant of God, George Anthony. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, sovereign King, and throne in heaven, in your love and mercy, establish a perimeter of protection with your precious blood around our communication devices and all technology used during this session. The cameras, the webcams, the microphones, the speakers, displays, and all software. Wi-Fi connections in the air, both my router and the router of Victor, and anyone assisting the optical cables involved in the transmission of the data and the light waves being used to transfer the data. Cleanse them with your precious blood and drive them from any satanic influence. Establish around them a sanctuary of your mercy where Satan and other evil spirits or human agency cannot interfere. I ask, Father, that you would block, bind, rebuke, and render impotent any assault of the evil one from them in any way. Father, so long as these instruments are utilized in this ministry of divine mercy, we ask you to allow them to enjoy the protection of the Blessed Mother, St. Michael the Archangel, all the angel, and all the angels. We ask this in your most holy name, the name before which every knee shall bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, everybody. This is Vic Hermanson. You know me on the St. Elias Report as the producer, the man who brings George Anthony's dulcet tones to the world in the best way possible. However, there's another podcast out there named Trailer Trash Terrors. That's my podcast. We are combining forces this week where I'm going to produce the show. But it's going to be published both on George's platform and on mine. The show is about spiritual warfare. If you've ever listened to a Trailer Trash Terrors episode, you know that it's my joy in life to find a slightly different way of looking at any topic that I'm talking about. And that includes spiritual warfare. So George is going to start us off in his normal way, which is through a prayer or through a gospel reading, or something along those lines. And then we're going to go into the interview. So, George, take it away. The Gospel according to Mark. And he said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. He who believes is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, like Victor had said prior to our reading, 
I want to thank you for being here. I want to introduce you to Victor. Uh, as you know, he's the voice of what we call the voice of the angels before and after the show. He introduces me as well as he gives a, a pertinent information at the end. Uh, Mr. Hermanson has his own podcast called Trailer Trash Terrors. Um, do not be afraid of it. It is not a demonic uh, podcast, but it is a podcast that comes out of a very scary place, which is Victor's mind. Victor is a is a genius who he will not tell you he is one. He is a very, very, very humble man. He's a very educated and learned man. He is a clinician. He is an architect. He is so many different things. Um, and I am glad and proud to call him one of my closest friends and brothers. And today we've decided to do a joint venture um, between my podcast and his. Where our podcasts converge are things that are near and dear to our hearts. Victor's podcast is usually whatever, as our friend Dave says, whatever is on Victor's mind that week. And that's generally been very hard for Victor lately. There's been some things with regards to spiritual warfare, the church, and otherwise. Um, Victor is a Catholic. Uh, Victor is a professed Catholic. He's, a, he's not a cradle Catholic, but he's a convert. He can give you his story a little bit later. But nonetheless, let's begin the show. And I'm going to hand over the reins, so to speak, to Victor. And he's going to uh, lay down a set of questions. And then we'll just flow as one of our regular conversations do. Victor? Thanks, George. The... Um I don't, I don't, you're right. I don't like that word genius. It always makes me feel like, eh, what the heck does that mean? But the word, the term, the phrase spiritual warfare gets bantered about a lot. People talk about it all the time. I was telling George a few minutes ago that to me, sometimes it feels kind of like a kumbaya phrase where it's something that fills a moment of need. But in terms of how it impacts our daily lives, our daily moment-to-moment -moment struggles with humans, with God, with the forces of evil in the world. Um, <clears throat> and I don't mind telling you that I struggle with God. Um, there are many times when I'm asking myself, why has God moved me along this path? I move along the path. I do so faithfully. But I wonder, I struggle, I question. I can't believe I'm the only one out there who does that. And George <clears throat> bases his life around this idea of spiritual warfare. And so I came up with the idea of what are the rules of engagement? What are we fighting? Who is the actual enemy? What are their rules of engagement? So George, with the idea that I want to try to keep this down to the nuts and bolts level, where do we start with that? Well, we can talk about what it is and what it's not. So anyone who knows this podcast, and I'm sure partially your podcast, Victor, knows that there's some weird things, whether it's of this world or not of this world, that we talk about. And I think we should get right to the question. So what, what is, let, let's start with what's not, what spiritual warfare is not. Spiritual warfare is not a talisman, a lucky charm, it is not a way to get you out of a situation immediately when all else has failed and you just think that, well, if I do a set of these rituals or have certain physical objects in front of me or around me or in my house, that we will get rid of whatever we need to get rid of or gain whatever we're trying to gain. Now, that is partially true that we do have physical objects and we do have rituals and we do have things in the Catholic Church as well as the Orthodox Church and other traditions that are needed. 
um, as weaponry, if you will, in the, in, in the battle. But what spiritual warfare actually is, is your everyday engagement with the world, the world and the flesh, the things that are not sacred, the things that are profane in, in, in the theological language, the things that are of this world, right? The prince of this world is Satan, meaning that he is allowed to run loose in this world and cause havoc. He, by permission of God, and we spec up one. Satan is not God's equal. He is not his direct. He is the enemy of man, but he's not God's enemy. God has no enemy. <laughs> God created him to be an angel of light named Lucifer. He chose at the fall, which was where all angels had free will instantaneously to choose the good or to choose other than the good. And because they knew God's plan to create uh, the, the flesh of Jesus, to, to, to have the incarnation of Jesus Christ, they said the, the, the evil spirits that we now, that were angels at one point said that's impossible. So they had a piety that was misguided. Uh, thinking that how could God become a lowly man? That's impossible. And, and they did not accept God as, as God's plan is all powerful and omnipotent. And they, they rebelled and said, I will not serve. I will not serve a man. I will not serve a man, regardless if it's God in the flesh or not. Man is a, is a creature below the creatures of heaven, which are the angels. So now we have demons and we have led them who are led by uh, Lucifer. That being said, that gives the, the brief overview that he is not an enemy of God. Lucifer is the enemy of man. So when we talk about the enemy, we're not talking about God's enemy. God just could wipe him out right now if he really wanted to. But what God does is God uses him in a way that will bring our souls closer to God. We have free will. We have the will to choose God or we have the, we have the will to choose other. God has kept Satan around for the mere purpose to, that we would choose him. He doesn't want a bunch of droids, you know, androids walking around, a bunch of sheep. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. So spiritual warfare are the tools and the graces that God gives us to combat our enemy, not his. He has no enemy. There is no enemy with God. God's creator of everything and everyone and every planet between here and wherever we don't even know. Those, those weapons that we have, are tools of the church. They're both included in scripture and in tradition. They're the prayers of the church, the prayers of the saints, the uh, physical things such as the rosary, the crucifix, the Bible, holy water, incense, uh, sacred chant, sacred song. But that's where most people view spiritual warfare, exorcism movies, video games, uh, you hear you hear these things on the Discovery Channel, History Channel, all the sensational, uh, 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 the antics, the politics of the devil, if you will. But what really spiritual warfare is, is waking up every day and choosing Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Every single day. What do I mean? All right. You go to the baseball game. You're watching your team. Stupid call. You choose to drop the F-bomb. Right before you do, right before you do, you pull, you pull back at spiritual warfare. You're at the beach. Bikinis everywhere. That's the way it is. You know, I can't, you can't help it. We're not in 1920s anymore. 
You choose to stare just a little bit longer, but before you do, you lay your eyes low. That's spiritual warfare. Your wife is driving you crazy, or uh, let me be equal for my wife's sake. Your husband is more likely in this case. Your husband is driving you crazy. Yeah, in my household, it could certainly go either way. <laughs> it's, usually, it's usually this way. So let me, let me be truthful for, for what. Your husband's driving you crazy. And she does this very well. So this is a good example. Before you respond, you think twice. That's spiritual warfare. You're flipping through TikTok or Instagram or, or, or Facebook. And you see not porno, but you see an account that is showing just a little bit more skin than normal. Before you click the profile and start to explore a little bit more, you stop and scroll away. That is spiritual warfare. You bless your kids in the morning so that they may come home to you safely and say a prayer over your wife and your wife says a prayer over your heart. That is spiritual warfare. You pray in public and you allow others to see you without being braggadocious and, and uh, foolhardy. You're doing it because you, you want to bless your food, but you also want to lay an example. That is spiritual warfare. You hold a door for an old lady. You give a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty. You bury the dead. You visit the sick. This is all spiritual warfare. See, we have it confused, unfortunately, that it's just a, oh, demon be gone. The power of Christ compels you, the movies. That's that part of it. That's like, I don't, I don't know what, 20% of it. But all these things, day-to-day spiritual warfare, are keeping, keeping God in your life and therefore by keeping the devil away. You know, there, you're, you're not... See, the problem with Western society, Victor, is that Western society has this idea of God who comes to your aid in a time of great need, but you don't need to do anything in order for him to do that. You're just kind of living a quote unquote good life. You could be a quote unquote good atheist, quote unquote good whatever. But as soon as you start hearing creaks and screeks in your house, like, you know, the parlor tricks, like the, the, the stuff that everyone's familiar with, like the, the ghoulish, weird stuff, all of a sudden, everybody's a Christian. Everybody's religious. Everybody's religious now. Oh, every, everybody's going to get a priest, a preacher, shaman, whatever. I mean, there's not everyone's Christian, right? But everyone finds a religion at some point in time in their life when they start experiencing this. Or you're in the foxhole and you're a, Victor was a soldier. You're, you're in a foxhole. Bullets are flying over your head. All of a sudden you're praying Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, and everybody else you can think of because you weren't well formed to begin with. Spiritual warfare is becoming well formed from the time. And I speak as a Christian Catholic from the time of baptism all the way up until the time they shut the box on your head. It's not just an, and if you do that, that spiritual warfare, that type of spiritual warfare, there may, and it's most likely possible, less chance that you'll need the exorcism type spiritual warfare and the overly exaggerated forms of spiritual warfare that the church does provide. And I won't say exaggerated in a negative sense, but there are times where you need a priest. 
But, but if you live a Christian life, if you live a good, holy, holy, pious life as the best of your ability with, with, with help from your brothers and sisters in the church, the Holy mother church, you're not going to need, you know, gobs and gobs of priests with incense and holy water. Yeah, it's good to have incense and holy water, but you're not going to, you're probably not going to be seeing demons. Now, there are some times where people choose like myself, and I'm using an example to go and kick the devil straight between the freaking face and in the eyes and attack him where he will attack back. And he will find, he will find chinks in your armor. You know, if I'm just living a a normal religious Catholic life, like I've been trying to do since before I was married and even before then, but more so when I'm married for the soul of my child and the soul of my wife. I mean, I geared it up like 20,000%. But then that wasn't enough for me. I decided with the help of Victor and my friend David to start kicking the devil straight in his face by this podcast and calling out sin where I see it, calling out sin where the church sees it, calling out sin where the, where, where the Bible sees it. And guess what? I went on the offensive. So now that I'm on the offensive, by the rules of warfare, he will defend. And how he will defend is he will offend. He will come after me now. And he has. And Victor's been privy to all the experiences. We may or may not talk about them some here. But that is my choice. I've chosen to now kick him in the face. If you just live a holy, pious life as Mary, John, and, and Roberta, little Roberta, and say your prayers, go to church, follow the commandments, pray, bless, and love your family, you're probably really shielded from all aspects of demonic and satanic influence in your life, other than the near occasions to sin, which are washed away with confession. But that's a normal life. The people who are more subject to demonic possession, oppression, are the ones that have no religious life. I call them the Christians without Christianity, the Catholics without Catholicism. You know, the people just floating out around there. You may or may not see them on Sunday, but you know, it's a social club for them. It's not living your life as a Christian. That's the long version, Vic. I lied to you and told you it was the short version. Oh, no, for you, that's the short version. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love it. That's very, very, very definitely the short version. I want to talk about, and you realize, and everybody should realize, that this is pretty much totally unrehearsed. We, We haven't sat down and laid out a set of questions. We haven't sat down and laid out a map of, of how we do this. I have never been to actual war, which I'm happy about. I, w- <clears throat> I mean, I, I've, I've never been in combat. I mean, you know, because I served during a time of, of peace. There was, there was no war to go to. It was a, a, a lot of training, and for me, I was a medic. I mean, there's no... That, that wasn't, there wasn't a great deal of courage involved, but I did sim- spend my time thinking about, okay, this could change any time. And <clears throat> I could find myself someplace where I really have to go and use these skills I've learned to try and keep people alive and try to keep myself alive. And so I thought a lot about the, the concept of courage. And <clears throat> I guess the closest I can come to is when when you work in a big city emergency department and there's some disaster, there's a hotel fire, 
you know, where hundreds of people have damaged lungs, or there's an explosion at a at a an oil refinery, and you're aware that look, in 15 minutes we're going to be up to our chin in sick and dying people, and I may not, we may not be able to keep all these people alive. In fact, we probably won't. There's a certain <clears throat> well, for me, it was always a feeling of yes. I'm and I'm a bit worried about that. I'm a bit scared about this situation. But that goes away as soon as you get busy. And <clears throat> I probably at that time in my life was not as connected to the divine as I should have been. I wasn't as I did not pray as much as I should have. Uh, I was I was counting almost entirely upon my own skills. But where do everyday standard non-combatant or who consider themselves non-combatant Christians, where do they find that courage? Where does that arise? I mean, you just, so if you're going to look at life as always battling the enemy, you're probably for the normal Christian Catholic, you're, you're, you may be scared, right? It's a scary thing to think that there's an enemy out there that wants to like rip your soul out of your chest and, 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 and into the fires of hell, right? So number one, you can't sell your soul to the devil. So let's just get that out of the way. I think that everyone thinks you can like, you, you don't own your soul. Christ has purchased your soul at a great, at a great cost of his uh, death, resurrection and ascension into heaven. So you don't own your soul. The good thing is you belong to God. Um, you become a part of God's family when you are baptized and then confirmed in the faith confirmation. That's a, one of the seven sacraments. However, the normal Christian just needs to, it's really simple. It is really simple. And they don't even have to know that they're doing spiritual warfare. The normal Christian does not need to worry about doing the things that I am doing by kicking Satan in the face and bringing all his dirt to the airways to let everyone know about it. What the normal Christian needs to do is literally take authority over their family take authority over their body, take authority over their lust and passion, follow the 10 commandments and the additional commands that Jesus Christ has given us before you, uh, you, you know, before you were told that you could divorce your, your wife, uh, Moses told you, you could divorce your wife. Uh, if she, if he basically cheated on you, let's use colloquial language. And they said, I say, this is not true. Right. So he gave us additional commands in, including the 10 commandments in the many, many, what's it? 500 commandments, Victor. In 613. Leviticus. 613. So the, the, we're yeah, not you, bound. You, you were close. I'm, I, look, <laughs> I'm rounding. I'm rounding. Um, we're not bound by those 613. They're more temple related. They are more Judaic in nature. But well, the ten can, let me interrupt there for sure. a second, because I mean, a lot of, a lot of Judaica, is more based in moment-to-moment -moment behavior mm -hmm. than it is in faith or belief, even. Right. I mean, it, it's a matter of... It's mechanized. Is this shirt some combination of linen and wool? Right. Yeah, if it is, then this shirt must be torn off my body, thrown asunder, and burned. Right, of course. Uh, and that's a, a lot of time spent worrying about things that to a modern Christian mind seems pretty trivial. 
Right. And that's why Jesus, Jesus talked about what I have made unclean, no longer, what I have made clean, no longer call unclean. Mm -hmm. So Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the scriptures and he did away with those, those things that are, are very mechanical, mechanical. That being said, the normal Christian need only worry about following the 10 commandments and the commandments of Christ and the traditions of the Holy Catholic church. It's very simple. You, you, you follow the 10 commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. And that doesn't mean your worship in Ganesh, who we rebuke and renounce in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or, and, and Jesus. That means that you don't have baseball or football as your God. And then God aside of him, if you're wearing a baseball Jersey, a football jersey to church because your idea is, okay, I'm going to do my obligation. I'm going to get out of here really quick. You may have some competition with God in your, in your mind. You may or may not. I'm not judging. But what I'm saying is if there's something that's more important to you on a Sunday than the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to self-analyze. You have to be, if you just do it as a motion, as a, a thing that we're called to do by the commandment, yes, you're called to do it, by the commandment, but you should be going to church with joy in your heart, not as a checkbox. And if it becomes a checkbox and the rest of the day becomes Eagles day, Phillies day, Mets day, uh, uh, Niners day, whatever, whatever your team is, you've missed the point of keeping the Sabbath day holy. Okay. And that's like anything else in life. I use that because it's the easiest example people get. They, 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 they understand that. So you have shall, you shall have no other gods before me. Okay. Covet your neighbor's wife. Well, people are like, I'm not, I'm not going to go get my neighbor's wife. Yeah, yeah, but are you, are you checking her out? Are you checking out the young girl down the street? Are, are you not lowering your eyes? See, these, these were written, these were written literally, but Christ interpreted them for us. It, it doesn't mean just don't, excuse my French, screw your neighbor's wife. Christ said, if you've sinned with her in your mind, I tell you, you already committed adultery. If you think about it, bro. You already did it. These are the things that are key to spiritual warfare. But okay. we don't need to call them spiritual warfare. That to it's me just well, living as a Christian. Let me go back a little bit on that. <clears throat> because it's one of the things that's always... I've had trouble understanding. Um, the things that are in my mind don't necessarily impact anybody else. Uh, especially when you are as good as I am at having a poker face where nobody has any idea what's happening in here. You know, they'll say to me things like, oh, Victor, you stay so calm. Nothing ever seems to bother you. Okay, well, that's external. Uh, you're not feeling the ocean in here. You're not feeling the hurricane in here. <laughs> if I do actually go and have sexual intercourse with my neighbor's wife, in almost all cases... Sooner or later, that's going to impact multiple, multiple, multiple people. Uh, even if it's just as a matter of that wife behaves differently toward her husband and her children, or I find myself <clears throat> so guilty about what I've done that I'm uh, unable to be as uh, gentle and uh, attentive to my family as I as I should. So. Even though one might look at that as already having sinned, it's hard for me to see them as equal sins. <clears throat> I disagree. I'll tell you why. Okie dokie. 
I disagree, one, because Christ said it. So I really don't care what anyone else feels against what Christ said. Now, that's the hard that's, that's the, the hard, hard. That's the hard way to go, right? You know how I am. I'm from the bricks, so I say yeah, it I mean, straight. Right, and that's and that's a absolutely le- a legitimate <laughs> okay. way of looking at it. Now I'll give you the academic. So I gave you the street. I give you the street cred. Now I'll give you the okay, academic. Okay. You've sinned against God. You've sinned against God. Yes. How have you sinned against God? Because a thought has come into your mind, and, and instead of you choose, and this is spiritual warfare, right? This is what Jesus is talking about. Instead of you choosing to say, okay. A temptation is not a sin. Correct. Where it becomes sin is now the temptation has made you produce the act in your head. The act in your head, the thought about doing the physical, has gone from a temptation of a view of a, a, mm-hmm. a breast or a leg, a, 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 a something, a smell. The, the, the temptation was the initial whiffed thought. Uh, 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 a glance of uh, the hair brushed your face. Um, the the the, mm-hmm. the sin comes in now. The functional. Wouldn't it be awesome if I did and then did right. and then did and did some more right. and, then, and you're just thinking this whole process out in your head? Correct. Yeah, you you can certainly embrace the temptation or you can fight against the temptation. And right. And so the, when you see things, <clears throat> when you see things, when you see. Unfortunately, I call it normal porn, right? Uh, uh, when you see normal porn, which is basically your TikTok, your Instagram, and your Facebook, the things that are like one inch to the left and, and, and the female is naked according to the, the law in the United States, but she's, let's be honest, she's probably already naked. You choose to say a Hail Mary or flip, that was temptation, that's not sin. You choose to just stare, but you're not doing anything. That's sin. There's a difference. That millisecond is the is the difference. I don't run into that a lot. Um, <clears throat> maybe I my Facebook feed is different. <laughs> oh, I don't run into it anymore either. Because what I have done is I have decided to report every single thing that is even remotely offensive to me. Correct. So the kids call it Karen, and I don't care. Um, But I'm not Mm. a canceler, right? But if it's going to be filth, it has no place on God's green earth. I I don't care. We live in a secular society. I live as a Christian, so therefore I'm going to report as a Christian. That's one. Two, I do a lot of research on satanic and occult things. So in those things, I need to use social media. So I have two Mm -hmm. separate accounts. I have like my... George Anthony accounts, you know, my wife and posting happy birthday, Merry Christmas, mm-hmm. my family in the Middle East, my family right. in Australia, things of right. that nature. New and then babies, I have, all that kind of stuff. Your yeah, puppies. then I have the research, exactly. Then I have the research <laughs> accounts, which literally follow every satanic temple, satanic church, every kind of weird occult practice. And in those, unfortunately, is promiscuity, degradational homosexual lifestyles, degradational straight lifestyles, all kind of weird stuff. So I have to like, you know, like I don't mind if the church, I shouldn't say I don't mind, but it's one thing if the church is saying is posting words and blaspheming with words, right? That's what they're going to do. But don't you start putting out pictures of like porn, soft porn, I'm reporting it, you know, Christian or no Christian, it just doesn't need to be there. So that's how that comes across my, uh, my feet. Also doing a lot of the research that I've done, um, I have to use the dark net. There are networks of people out there that want to try to get out of some things um, that they still are in it for whatever reason. And this stuff comes up a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm unfortunately, or I should say I have been exposed to it. I've 
cut my exposure to it because I've chosen a different path in life to do this podcast. But when I was specifically doing uh, that research alone, um, that that was a big that was a big problem. As far as I know, I've never gone to the dark net. I've I've never found a need or a reason to do so. What would I have been exposing my soul to had I done so? Oh, um, let me clean this up a whole lot for our listeners because I do not want to cause anyone scandal or to sin. So that if you think, ladies and gentlemen, that the clear net, as we call it, the, the regular internet where you just turn on your computer, Google, Yahoo, uh, whatever browser you're using, is bad enough, add murder, add filth on top of filth. Okay, so you have a dumpster and then you have a fire. Then you have a dumpster fire with a explosion of toilet water on top of it. I, I can't so be any, any more. Right. Like, what what you're just, getting into is just simply more and more degrading material. Yeah, I mean, there's so much degrading material on the Internet right now. I think that the dark net is in competition with the clear net, to be honest with you. But there's still some levels of the dark net that I don't even want to put anything into imagination. But they, they do involve violating multiple commandments. One of them is thou shalt not kill. If I just keep it there, 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 there is some stuff there that unless you are a researcher who worked in the world that I worked in, or, or you are a law enforcement agent, which I am not, or you are looking to connect with some people in some lifestyles, whether it be child trafficking, whether it be uh, satanic ritual abuse, where it be people who are stuck in satanic cults, whether it be all these dark lifestyles, and I'm not talking Temple of Satan people because those people are just like philosophically satanic. I'm talking about some deep, dark, crazy, the stuff that everyone thinks the satanic temple is, that's on the dark, in, that on the dark net. Especially the people who reach out who are trying to like rele find some kind of release to talk about it because they're stuck in it for either generationally or they are, uh, uh, they're just looking for a way out or just to express themselves. That stuff exists there now there's other things that exist on the dark net that people are familiar with that also i call satanic but it's not in a, in a sense of demonic drugs weapons guns uh uh, uh um <sighs> counter counter counterfeit credit cards counterfeit badges counterfeit counterfeit identifications um light counterfeit license plates like literally literally if you if you want to destroy every single commandment <laughs> all of them darknet is the place to go and i and i rebuke it in the name of the jesus christ it has to be used as a tool but unfortunately it's a hiding place for modern day criminals whether they be criminals of faith or criminals of secular society's laws well i'll continue to avoid that please do. I'm, I'm not feeling that i have any particular loss there I don't really want to dwell. In, dwell. That's a good word. Dwell. That's a great Let's, word. Uh, Write that down, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it first. Dwell. Yes. <laughs> I mean, as soon as I said it, I thought that's not the way you say that word. And then I thought, oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, that's it's not a, really a bad word. Okay. So let's let me just dwell a little bit into what I'm going to call generational change. Because the world does develop a certain moral feel as you go forward. 
Okay, if, if you simply go up to newspapers.com, doesn't matter where you go, anywhere in the United States, let's choose Topeka, 1955. Okay, just start reading the newspapers. Read the newspapers from 1955. Well, in a few minutes, you'll be in 1955. You'll be thinking like a man from 1955 thinks. Uh, now, go to... Well, I'm going to use the one that I go to with more regularity than I should, but Quora in 2024. And the there used to be, a, I read a study one time where a researcher had asked people as they were coming into Walmart, hey, can I please take just your picture? I'm just take your picture. No identification, won't be used for anything other than that. What he was doing, he was averaging all those faces. Okay, what's the average face of the person who comes into Walmart? Truth is, they look kind of like you. Um, <laughs> Don't give them that description. I'm anonymous unless you know me. <laughs> but but I, you can do the same thing with the web that you're reading today. The average personality, the average awareness of cruelty, the average concern for uh, degrading statements scares the living dog whatever out of me to see what I believe to be just kind of the standard person who's existing out there in the online world. It's not everybody. It's not everybody. And of course, <clears throat> you have to realize that any of these places, it's a very small minority of people who are using them. But it has become, in my mind, the sort of thing where the average person in these realms is a real nasty guy. He you know, really does not see any problem with bringing pain and yeah i'd say that's true but you know let's 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 step back one um the nastiness of people is just one aspect you know the world in 1950 1940 1920 and i mean the world let's talk about the united states because i have international listeners i'm sure you do too but let's talk about something that we know or at least that i that i know very very near and dear to my heart we lived in a, in a very Christian country back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s started iffy, 60s weird, 70s, I don't know what happened, 80s, 90s, and we, you know, we just keep going downhill from there. You used to see priests in the street with their collars, and whether, whether you were Catholic or not, it was hello, father, good day, father, hello, sister, good day, sister. It, respect for the clergy. Whether or not you believe what they were preaching, doesn't matter. They were, they were set aside. That's the priests don't even want to wear their collar in the street anymore. Two reasons. One, they want to be secular and they want to just use it as a job on Sunday. Some two, the ones that don't want to do are scared because they live in a really weird place that just looks down on them and they can't get the services they need or complete their day to day things. Well, that's the cross that they have to carry. I'll preach about it some other time. But the fact what we're talking about is the world is very different and I'm not. I'm not so concerned with the nastiness of people, but I'm concerned about why the people are nasty. The people are nasty because the loss of respect for faith and, frankly, the loss of faith itself. Okay? We have just as many, well, 
not really, but we have just as many churches in certain places of, of the United States in the Northeast corridor where Victor and I are, are, are located, but the faith is completely different. The buildings haven't changed. The number of people maybe went down a little bit. Okay. According to the Pew studies, but what's really changed is the faith without the faith. You get nasty and a whole other lot of things that we can talk about. The faith is key. We don't need nicer people. We don't need kinder people. We don't need more people. What we need is more faith, more reliance on faith. Those other things are, they come afterwards. They are a result of you having faith. How many times should I forgive my brother? The Bible says 70 times 77, which any good scholar would know, or literally second grader means infinity Uh, until your brother stops asking for forgiveness you shall continue to forgive him. Your brother, meaning Victor, George, Bob, David, Robert, it doesn't matter who asks you for forgiveness. You shall give it to them until they stop asking for it. We've lost that. I don't need more night. I don't need more people. I don't need more nice people, more educated people, more people. I just need an increase of faith where two or more of you are, therefore I am, the Lord said. We have two people of faith. He's right there. We got a bunch of people in church, but we don't got a lot of faith. I I got a thousand people going to communion. Three went to confession, uh, anecdotally, all right? I don't know the numbers, but I I mean, I could see when I'm, what I'm seeing in the parishes. So it's not about nasty or more or all that stuff is either a result of having faith and following commandments and following Bible and following the traditions or lack of it. And when you have a lack of it, other things come in period. That's it. So all this stuff about a good atheist and I'm a good person. I don't need Christ. Let me just preach. People are not used to my voice on your show. People are used to my voice on my show. So I'm going to give you a dose. God is love. You can't have love without God. That's a gift. You can't find truth without God. God is truth. The, all these concepts, love is love. No, love is God. Thank you. Truth is empirical. No, truth is God. All these nice sayings that we have, the author of them and the person who is them is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Holy Trinity, period. So if you try to be nice, I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to pick on Satanic Temple right now. I haven't done it in a while. Please come after me, please. Satanic Temple has their sock drive for the homeless. Big flipping deal. Yeah, so like, like in, in places, in places um, you know, they, they find that there's a need for socks. Like a lot of people give shoes, right? But then they don't have socks. It's you know logical thing, right? I'm not where logic is logic. There's logic. You know, clock is right two times a day. Okay, so people always collect shoes for the homeless, clothes for the homeless. But the things that they kind of miss are like socks and underwear. For whatever reason, we as a group of people never really give socks and underwear to the homeless. We uh, coats and yeah, it falls through the cracks. Satanic Temple does this, or, or used to do it at least. Sock drive, right? Sock and underwear, the long johns. You know, they're, they're needed. They're great. They go, look, we're good human beings. I have no doubt in my mind that there are some good human beings 
in there being deceived by the prince of darkness and his denial of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But that does not make you good. Good is Christ himself. And we're all trying to imitate him. You know, we use it colloquially. We, we use it like, I'm good. You're good. Uh, I, I love you. It, but, but those, those, those concepts, those definitions are Jesus Christ himself. So you can't really be good without Christ's grace. You can't really be truthful without Christ. You can tell truth all day long. I murdered him. I spat in this lady's face. I be, it's all truthful. Good. You're truthful. But if you lack Christ, it doesn't matter. And the other part of it is some of our separate, separated brethren, once saved, always saved. Now, I'm not trying to get on our Protestant brothers and sisters neck, but there's a middle ground. The middle ground is called the Catholic slash Orthodox church where it's not just once saved, always saved. So I can go slap a, 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 a prostitute in her face and do degradation because once saved, always saved. How stupid does that sound? Or I can have truth without God. They both sound asinine. Excuse the gesture. So the middle ground is balance, which is also God. Logic, which is also God. There is, you know, we're not talking about human logic and intellect. We're talking about the divine. So all these concepts of like the world has changed, the basis of all these negative changes, like Vic has, 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 has uh, said, a little bit nastier, a little bit meaner, they're results of losing faith. That's it. I delve into a lot of dark topics. I have found there are times when I have to stop del- del- delving into those dark topics. That word's going to haunt you. I it love is going to haunt me. Yes. I have found that there are times when I need to stop delving into those dark topics because I find it depressing. It, it, it attacks my soul. It makes me feel like, okay, enough. Come back up to the light. Get out of that. <laughs> Um, and I, and I do those things I can to protect myself. And I think, I think actually, uh, that internal feeling of, Hey, I need to ascend. I need to get out of this. I mean, I, I put that in the hands of God helping me, so, you know, saying, okay, that's enough. You, need, you know, you, you need to, you know, come back up to the light. Um, a lot of people who listen to shows like we produce, they also delve into dark topics. And I have a feeling most of them don't really have a good strategy for how to protect themselves. I agree. And so let's talk about both of those things. And let's talk about first what it is that is making you feel the ick. It's the internal pricking of your soul. What God's telling you through the power of the Holy Spirit is, Victor, go any further. You're not prepared. That's like, that's what he's telling you. Okay. That's what he's telling me when I'm, when I, well, when I was delving around the dark net, talking to Satanists and people who were involved in SRA, satanic ritual abuse, or people who have seen things or done things. You know, there's only so much of it you can take as a human being. There's only so many things that the, the, the angels can protect you from, your guardian angel can and protect you from. But that, that prick of the soul and the conscience is the guardian angel spiritually tapping you on the shoulder 
and Christ himself through the Holy Spirit saying, hey, anything else is going to start becoming a near occasion of sin. What's the old saying they use in the, in the paranormal world? You look into the abyss, it's going to look back at you. Dave always says it, I think. Um, if you look too far into that, it will look back at you. Now, it doesn't ne- necessarily mean if you're researching satanic ritual abuse or you're, you're, you're researching uh, uh, some kind of satanic, demonic things. That they, they, but there is a limitation that we're supposed to be filling our minds and our spirits and our souls and, on, and our realm with things of God. Now, look, I mean, the, the, the audience, this is an audio podcast, obviously, so they can't see my desk, but you see my desk. Behind me is literally books on exorcism, demonology. I have dictionaries of demons. I, I, I rarely open these things up. These are not entertainment materials. These are materials that I use to help me do my research. I go to one specific page or chapter, and when I am done, I am done. Before I go, I pray. After I go, I pray. That I seal all my books with the, with the seal of St. Benedict back and front to keep all those things bound. Why? Because I'm superstitious? No, because I know that the power that but these things have, right? So I'm not going into my dictionary of demons, um, and, which is approved by the Catholic Church, by the way. And, and just like, let's learn all the demons' names. I don't want to know them. But when something comes up and Dave asks me, hey, have you heard this name? I'll go look for it. That's it. I'm going a specific mission. I'm not here to like bathe myself in, in that stuff. What I do bathe myself in is you see the rest of my office. I have the miraculous medal. I have picture of Christ. I have uh, pictures of my family. St. Benedict medal. I have a statue of the blessed Virgin Mary statue of St. Joseph crucifix, rosary beads, prayer books. 95% of my books, 95% of my life is with the holy and the sacred. Only the small portion where I need to dive into the demonology. And and I'm not trying to say I'm a demonologist. I'm a researcher and an analyst and academic. I research, I write, I report and I podcast and I help David, who is a paranormal investigator, not paranormal investigate because I don't believe in doing that. But with things that come up on recordings, um, names and and, and things that he needs to know about the Catholic Church or spirituality, kind of like a subject matter expert, if you would, or or a or a um, help me out, Victor. Well, you're a you're a researcher. You're a A researcher and assistant. You know, I, I don't condone. Or I don't condemn. I just, you ask me a specific question, I give you a specific answer. So with that being said, filling your life with the sacred is going to help you. Now, if you have a podcast, right? You talk, we'll go to this part two. If you have a podcast going into the supernatural and the, the dark places, and you're not what people like to call now prayed up as the street term for, you know, being in a state of grace. That, I like that term. Like kids use it all the time. I'm prayed up. Pretty much means I've gone to confession. No, I love it. It's yeah, great. Like Kids it, use yeah. it all the time. It means I've gone to confession. a sincere confession, which now I'm in the grace of God. I received Holy Eucharist. Okay. I'm watching what I, what I put into my, into my eyes and into my brain. I'm watching what comes out of my mouth. I'm prayed up now. And only now are you ready to go Deeping, go deeply diving into 
the subject of ghosts, demons, demonology, sat- satanic. Look, before this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's, it may or may not be recorded. We did a prayer over the technology because Victor and I both know. It's recorded. For whatever reason. Right. Okay, good. So maybe you can stick that somewhere. For whatever reason, the demons, when we start talking about them, not by name, just by. Just, just, just by instance, just, just generally. They, they tend to, and you know, call me whatever you want to call me. I am sure of my faith. My Alexa goes off. My Siri goes off. That's what happens on my side. Victor has a little bit of a different uh, EVP, circumstance. EVPs show up on, on my side. So for those I've had li- so many now that I don't even think about them all that much. So for those listening to my podcast, you're not uh, familiar with EVPs. and It's not going to turn into a paranormal podcast, but it is relevant. Um, no, it, they it is. Are, an EVP is a voice um, that you hear, a voice or a sound that you hear on the recording that you generally do not hear in real life. So Victor and I could be talking, have a tape recorder going. We hear no one, nothing, and nowhere. But all of a sudden, we hear a door, and we hear, ha-ha. Okay, it's a thing. It's a phenomenon. This happens with Victor. Me, I don't, I don't get that. I, I usually get Siri or, or, or my electron, all my electronic gadgets start acting weird. Or, you know, website closed. Something happens that year. Regardless, we prayed up. And we made sure we're in a state of grace to the best of our ability and now we're ready to do this podcast. And this is not even a supernatural podcast, so to speak. This is just a podcast bringing up the sacred and the profane, the demonic and the angelic. I can only imagine those people who don't pray up, Vic, who start these conversations off the cuff. Today, we're going to be talking about Beelzebub. Okay, good for you. What have you done in order spiritually to prepare for that? Now, if you're an atheist, nothing. So good luck to you. Godspeed. Let me know when you need me to find a priest for you. Okay, but if you're a Christian, this should become an automatic, man. This, this should be automatic. You know, I pray before everything. I pray before I, I send my daughter to school. I pray. It, 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 well, there's for, a part of the Bible that says you. For you, prayer has simply become almost like breathing. It's just something that you do. I'm not that great of it, but let me, let me, let me confess to almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's just be honest. I've become good at it when... It's easy for me. Here's my sin. Okay. When stuff starts hitting the fan, how many times have I called you and David? And like, I can't get on my knees. I can't do it. I, I, I get jammed up. So when I'm really ready to kick Satan in his face, and I'm feeling good about my life and everything's going good. That's when I'm able to kick Satan in his face. But when something is like happening, a surgery, a death, a, I get jammed up a lot. What I've do you mean? Better. What do you mean by jammed up? I can't bring myself to, um, I get worried about the, the, the thing that's happening. Okay. As you should. Right. But then I don't take that just that second to say your will, Lord, but not mine. Help me out. Okay. It's that simple, but I get so jammed up with this thing is happening. I've become better. I've become way better. In fact, I would say on a scale of one to 10, I'm a 1.5. That's how better I've become. And that's a lot for me because there wouldn't be any, there wouldn't be 1.5. There would be like zero negative numbers, but I've come a long way with that. Not just praise God and pray to God when everything's going right in my life. And right now, you, you know, my personal story, everything's not going right in my life, but I've been able to say your will, not mine. 
trust him more. Okay. Because that's the distractions of the devil. Devil knows when you're feeling good and everything's going right. You got a nice job. Your kids are doing well in school. Uh, money's coming in. Um, you know, you're healthy. You're strong. Family members are doing great. There's blessings in your life and graces. He knows that, you know, they're the good times. Then the bad times, we have to be like Job. And I'm preaching to myself too. I'm not just preaching to preach. We've got to be like Job and say, your will, Lord, not mine. Your will, Lord, not mine. That's a test for us. It's a test for me, at least. So bringing it back to the, the, the podcasters and the people who research, if you are just going in there for curiosity, and I'm not saying educational curiosity, there's a difference between education and curiosity, right? I just want to know because I want to know. And you don't have Christ behind you as your general, you're going to get caught up with some stuff. How many times, how many times have people been on the opposing end of child pornography who get sucked in to some kind of thing? Now, I'm not saying they become child pornographers. Do not get me wrong. But alcoholism, mm -hmm. drug abuse, uh, some other vice well, gambling. Any human who's dealing with that negative part of the world, it damages you. It damages you. You'll talk to, look, just policemen, firemen, nurses, doctors. Um, <clears throat> I used to work at Ben Taub. I don't care who you are. If you're going to work in the Ben Taub ER for five years, you're going to be a different person after those five years. You are going to be more cynical. You're going to be less likely to be uh, accepting and loving of your patients. These are the things you have to fight. See, this, this to me is at least what partially of what spiritual warfare is about is Absolutely. keeping your your being, your soul, your your personality uh, from becoming something that's not able to in any way emulate the love of Christ. I, I can't I can't I can't match the love of Christ. I can't I can't come anywhere near that. But. If I am not at least trying to be loving and accepting toward those people I encounter, I'm not doing what I can do. Look, a good spiritual soldier, okay? <clears throat> and, and again, I, I want people to understand we're using militaristic language because the church right. in, its, in its essence is masculine. It doesn't mean it's all male. It's masculine, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, they use the term church militant. They and, use the church term militant, and, and the, which and is, that term means a lot. That means, I mean, militant. That means you're militating. That it <laughs> means the people that are left here. There's a church triumphant. The church triumphant are the, 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 the people who have gone and gained their reward in heaven, whether they're canonized saints like St. Jude or whether they're your grandmother who is a saint in heaven, you know, because she's pretty left, she much... Uh, led a saintly life, but you know, she's not recognized officially by the church. It doesn't mean she's not a saint. Okay. And then there's a church militant. Those of us left here to militate against the powers of darkness, the prince of this world, which is Satan, AKA Lucifer. We are here to fight. So we have a duty to fight these dark powers. And it's not, listen, here's the example of spiritual warfare that everyone knows. The example of spiritual warfare that everyone knows is the paratrooper jumping out of, of, the, uh, of the helicopter, of the UE, jumping into the firefight and, and with an M60 and grenades, 
at the enemy and just blasting the hell out of the enemy. That's the exorcism. The paratroopers are the exorcist. What we're trying to make you is you can't become a power trooper. Okay, first of all, because we're not priests. Second of all, what we're trying to be is the foot soldier. How do you form a foot soldier? How do you create a foot soldier? First, you get your fat butt into PT, physical training. Training, marching every day. What's your marching in the spiritual world? Praying, confession, Holy Eucharist. These are your daily things, okay? Vic said he's never seen a day of war, but I can damn well guarantee you if Victor had at the time that he was in the military, he would have been ripped and rocked and ready to go. Why? Training every day. His medic training, his physical training. You don't necessarily need to have a battle, but you're going to be ready. And when when, when, when the battle comes up to your door, Everybody wants to be a paratrooper. Everybody, give me the holy water. Give me the St. Benedict's medal. But what have you done? That's not going to work. You have no faith in them. Now you're using them as talismans. If you don't have training how to run an M60 on a bungee cord out of a UAE helicopter, you damn well think you're going to shoot some uh, Charlies? You're not going to shoot anybody. Yourself. It's going to... You're going to shoot yourself. (laughs) You're going to get a recoil in the side of your neck or in your hip, and you're going to probably jam your finger up in, while you're locking and loading. So, oh, you have the weapon. I have the rosary. I have the holy water. I don't know how to use it. I have no faith in it. I'm just going to, I have it. Having a gun and, not knowing, and no, not knowing how to use it is the same way as claiming you're, you're a Christian and not knowing how to, how to fight or pray. Look, your gun, your gun is literally your faith. Okay, the bullets you put in it is the is, is the repetition. Is the repetition that you put in it. And I don't mean, uh, you know, just saying words. Wake up, pray. Wake up, serve your family. Wake up, serve your church. Wake up, be a good person. Hold the door for the old lady. Live your life in holiness. And you may never have to deal with any of this crap. Or when it does happen... When it does happen, like you have a death in the family, the difference is you're not going to say, oh, why God me? Yeah, you're probably going to still wonder. People wonder. We're human beings. But you're going to be less than the person looking into the abyss going, oh, I, we did everything right. What, why did so-and-so die? The, you know, I'm not being facetious. We lose people. We lose people in war. We lose people to drugs. We lose people to, to car accidents. But you're going to have one or two steps up on that other person. Not that it's a competition, but a life of faith gives you answers before the questions are asked. Excellent statement. You have the answers. You may forget them, but you have a reference book to go back to. People without faith have no answers and no questions. They are lost. That's normal life. That's just normal life. Now, you make a choice to go into the supernatural, whether it's through a podcast, a researcher like David, Uh, whether it's answering questions, whether it's me who is trying to destroy Satanism, uh, satanic ritual abuse, occultism. And I don't mean just the occult practices. I mean, the occult practices of every day, like yoga and all that other stuff. I want to see it wiped from the face of the earth. When you make that decision to go that one step up, to go from private to specialist, specialist to sergeant, you make the choice that now you're putting yourself on, a, on the line. 
If any of you guys know, and I'm going to say guys because mostly guys watch these old war films. The general always in, you know, like Civil War movies or in old cavalry movies, general always sits up on a horse behind his troops. Very rarely is he in front of his troops and not because he's not courageous. Sometimes they do lead the troops in the battle on, on the front line and in front of the troops. The reason he's in the back, he's in a position of power. He's watching over all his soldiers. But guess what? He is the biggest target in the world for the snipers. It doesn't make him a coward that he's on a horse behind his troops. He is there to guide others into battle, but he knows in doing so, he's taken a position of vulnerability where a bullet between his eyes at any second. Okay. So when you make that choice to go from, you know, guardsman to now you're a sergeant leading a troop from sergeant to now you're, you're a colonel or a lieutenant on a horse, you've put yourself in harm's way. You put yourself in harm's way and you'd be damn well foolish if you weren't prayed up and in the graces of God. Don't put yourself out there trying to say, I'm a demonologist. I'm an exorcist. I'm a, I'm a researcher. I'm a podcaster. I'm going to go bless your house. I'm going to go study demons. I'm going to go read these books. I'm going to go do the yoga. I'm a You're a fool. You are a fool. You are a fool. Hear these words, not because I want to criticize my brothers and sisters, because I want to give you good advice. If you're called to the, the life of service, whether it be through the church or whether it be through research or about helping others, if you want to approach evil, whether it be the smallest thing or the large, you, you better get prayed up. Okay. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to give you another example that has nothing to do with demons and, 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 and all this stuff. Okay. There are several podcasters that I listen to that talk about being prison guards for death row. Okay. Basically they're dealing with murderers, scumbags, child rape, all, all, all the filth of society. Okay. These people, these, these gentlemen said they, they were surrounded so much by evil. A lot of them, if they weren't, prayed up. They weren't in the graces of God became angry. They get angry. And I'm not saying it's like a transference of evil to you, but you're surrounded with, with, when you're surrounded with something and you don't have an answer, you don't have a, like, God help me. I'm really angry right now. I, I know this, this, this person murdered a child and I have to transport him to healthcare. I really, really in my head, I wish he was dead, but by your will, not mine, God, if you don't have that, all you're going to be doing is be surrounded by anger, anger. And some of these people deal with it with it, drugs and alcohol. So I'm not, I'm not saying talking about go fighting demons. I'm just talking about the day-to-day evil that man either presents himself or that was, uh, th- that is associated with the devil, right? You, you deal with child rapists and child murderers and, and all kind of, of, of degradation of society. And you don't go in there prayed up. You don't go in there with, 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 with God's love in your heart, you're going to fight evil with evil. If you, you might have all the great intention in the world of going to a anti-abortion protest. Okay. If you don't go with love and charity in your heart, you're going to get like some of our brothers and sisters do physically violent and crazy. Now I understand the end game is saving the children, saving the babies, but Two evils don't make a sacred. 
two wrongs no. don't make a right. <clears throat> when um, when I was in the ED, I would find myself oftentimes dealing with someone who is totally repugnant. You're right. Someone who's killed a child. Someone who's raped a child. Someone who's done something so horrible that it kind of disqualifies them from the category of human. <clears throat> and I could remember two things that were, that helped. One was praying. Another was simply saying, it's not my job to like this person. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not my job to uh, enjoy being around them. It's my job to take care of their body. And that I could do that I could do. Now, I, I suppose there's, there are probably higher planes than that, but that's what, that's what I was capable of doing. Uh, and we're human, right? So you're called to love them. Now, what's, what, what does love mean? Let's, well, for, let's, me, let's, for me, it meant kept keeping them from bleeding out. <laughs> you, loved your, you, you loved your brother and sister. You know, <laughs> what love does not mean is that I have to take this person home and make them an adopted member of my family, Okay. What love means is sometimes hard. And sometimes love means as a prison guard or as a policeman, I have to serve justice. Well, I mean, for, for me, at least a couple of times, it came down to uh, I have to prevent this other person from deliberately harming them. Absolutely. Okay, because they're, they're angry. You know, they're, they <laughs> want that moment of revenge. But, yes, absolutely. Right. So... George, my voice is failing me. Can you give us a final statement that you think would yeah, I'll, bring I'll, this to a good end? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to let me um, take the reins for a couple seconds here. And I just want to get to some things we didn't get to, if that's OK with you. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So we're talking about spiritual warfare, ladies and gentlemen. And we talked about being prayed up and being the graces of God. We're also let, let's talk about some of the physical weapons that we have. Okay, we have in the in the Holy Catholic Church in the, in the Orthodox Church, we actually have physical things that will help us. Okay, it's not only about going to confession, being good to your wife and your children, and 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 taking Holy Eucharist, but we have some physical things we call sacramentals. Your house, your house, your home should be surrounded with holy objects, blessed by a priest. And the sacramentals that I'm speaking of are holy water holy oil, holy salt, crucifixes, pictures of the saints and the angels, Jesus Christ, a Bible. You need a Bible. You need a Bible and you need a catechism. Okay. These things are necessary to surround yourself with the signs and the symbols of your life, your spiritual life. Often I go and I talk to people. I see people outside of church, they invite me to their home, go to their home. And I see no symbol of their, of their faith. Well, I'm a Christian. Okay. I, but what, what, what showeth me that? Okay. There's a reason that we're given these things. Okay. Jews, Orthodox and religious Jews, because there's such thing as a secular Jew have signs and symbols of their faith that are on their body. The locks of their hair, the, 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 the way they dress, the way they are set apart from the world. We are their brothers in faith and older brother. There are older brothers in faith. We, through Jesus Christ, fulfilled the Judaic faith with the Messiah. We're just a continuation of Judaism. Our signs and symbols are the cross. Our signs and symbols are the sacred heart, the Bible. We have to have these things around our house. 
They're not talismans. They're not dream catchers. They're not some kind of magical thing. They are made of physical materials and they are not our gods like ancient Rome where you would bow down to a statue. When I kneel in front of a statue of the Sacred Heart of Jesus or, or Blessed Virgin Mary or St. Jude, if that statue got broke tomorrow, I'm not going to cry and say, my God is destroyed. That is because I am a poor, poor sinner who needs to put my eyes, my focus on, on something to represent God to me. And anyone who tells me the Old Testament people didn't do it is a sham, a liar, or uneducated. You pick which one. I'm very hard in my words. The mercy seat, the mercy seat was the Ark of the Covenant. On top of the Ark of the Covenant, there's two angels, their wings touch. And that was said that with the foot of, of the Lord God would be right there. Now, was he really right there? I don't know. Probably, maybe not. Doesn't matter to me. But God gave us this gift in the Old Covenant so the, the Jewish people of that time would have somewhere to focus their attention, Okay. And also to say, these are my chosen people who are set apart from the world. If you're a Christian and you're not setting your part self apart from the world by some symbolization, okay, then you're hidden. You're hidden. Whether you need to hide because you're in China and it's for your life and it's necessary, but they even then, they still had symbols that their community would understand who they were. Or you're hidden because you're embarrassed. Let's just be straight honest. My expectation when I go into a Christian household, I'm not even saying Catholic because we're, 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 we, we love our accoutrement, if you will. We, we, we love our, our sacramentals, our rosaries, our Bibles, our, our statues. We love them. M- most of us do. But if I go into a Christian home and I don't leave say, a Bible open somewhere or on a shelf or a picture of God, Christ, or a, even a cross without the corpus, without the crucifix, I'm, I'm a little suspect, okay? I'm a little suspect. There's got to be something because we're fulfillment of the Old Testament. And not only these things help you remember what it is we're doing. Listen, people get freaked out when they see a crucifix above of the marital bed. I'm not. I'm not. Because if you in your mind think what you're doing in that bed is dirty, then either one it is or two, you you're out of the the realm of normal sexual marital relations. And there are some things within sexual relations that are not permissible in the marriage bed or two, you have a, you're, you're so scared to equate a gift that is God given us, right? Not everything in that, that bed is holy. You need to make sure it's for the procreation of children. We'll keep it PG because if it's not for the procreation of children and it's the desires of the flesh, then we have an issue. If it's for both, it's holy. If it's not, it's profane. But you shouldn't be scared of a cross above the bed. Shouldn't be scared to have a picture of a blessed virgin in your house, a saint, an angel, whatever. Not only do they keep you in check. If you're going to do something, you're going to scream at your wife. You're going to, you're going to beat your kid and you see a cross. You might think twice. Not only does it keep you in check, but it also keeps the spiritual world in check as well. Number two. These things are an extension of the sacraments. So holy water is an extension of the holy water that has given us life in, in Christ's church as part of his family. And every time we sprinkle it in faith, we say that we are blessing our house and we're renewing our baptism vows that our godparents said for us. Because obviously most of us were baptized as 
as infants, the rest of us either as young uh, adults or, or children who couldn't speak for themselves. These objects are representation of the sacraments and of our faith. You can't just take some atheist person possessed by the devil or demon and then say, give me some Catholic holy water, Christian holy oil, and let them work. That's not going to work. Those things have power, but they have power because of the belief that's behind them in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who's given us salvation through his dying on the cross. I can't just give Buddhist holy water and say, take out your, your demons and what. It doesn't work. It's just not, that's not how it works. Don't give a gun to someone who's untrained. Give a gun to someone who's trained in, in weaponry. Okay? So the person who's trained in weaponry is the rifleman. The rifleman is the Christian. The gun is the faith. The gun, the bullets are the sacramentals. That's it. So don't go out there and, and, and think that everyone's going to get, you know, in the sports, spiritual warfare and demonology and, and research and podcasting, unless you have built upon, you have built upon a foundation of faith and a foundation of action. So you could have faith reserved on a shelf in a book with dust on it. But until you put it into action, then you can go to the next level. Don't be an exorcist. Who uses profanity doesn't go to confession yourself. Yes, you're anointed. You're a priest. You're, you're a holy priest, but you use profanity and you, don't, you haven't confessed in three weeks to another priest or X, Y, and Z. You're, you're, you're going out with a gun that's either going to jam, overload, or backfire in your face. We all have states in life. We all need to know where our state in life is. We all need to know where the beginning and the end is, okay? And we all have a place of authority, right? As a man of the house, I have authority over my wife and my children. As a woman of the house, she has authority over her husband's heart and her, and, and her children and her home. As a priest, you have authority over your flock. As a bishop, you have authority over other priests in your diocese, so on and so forth. Don't step out of your bounds, number one, and in your bounds, don't neglect your duty. So a soldier's duty when he's not in wartime is to make sure his footlocker is clean, his bed is made, his shoes are shined, his uniform is, is put together. His weapon is clean. It's taken apart at least once a week. He, he's, he's got it well greased up and oiled, and his skills are straight. If any one of those things fall into undiscipline, you're leaving yourself open for failure. If you fail as a husband and a father, but then want to do spiritual warfare, you will fail. If you fail as a husband and a father and you want to do a podcast about something else, you will fail. If your children are going hungry, but you're spending all your time in work, you're failing. I don't care how much money you bring home and what the luxuries you give to your wife, you failed as a father. So the only thing I can say is pray to God that the Holy Spirit inspire each one of you to know what your, your duty and your vocation in life is. And that he give you the graces to complete what you need to complete. First, you need to complete the necessary and then the possible. The necessary is what you need to do to survive physically and spiritually. The possible is what you can do to help others survive spiritually and physically take care of your own house and then help your brother in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. George, I want to thank you. I'm sorry that my voice is not fully recovered from COVID. 
And for my little episode this morning, um, <laughs> but uh, I want the people to know how I'll, how much I enjoy interviewing George, because George has there's an aspect of his personality that that, that I don't have, <clears throat> at least not to the same degree, which is just that deep, deep faith. I keep trying. Victor, I love you, and God loves you. And listen, you know my failings as well as anyone else. And they're usually, and I'll confess to Almighty God, and like I said, to you, my brothers and sisters, my temper and my impatience for whatever I have, you and David have fulfilled on the other side. So we're here to lean on each other. I suggest that the people listening to this podcast, listen to one of the podcasts I've done where I've interviewed David, our technical director, and one of my very, very closest friends and other brothers in this Masapki brother trio and Victor regarding Christian masculinity, where one fails, two others come to save them. Okay. So if you guys are out there and you're saying, oh, these guys got it together. Look, we're a wreck. We're a mess. Victor and I are going to get off this podcast and we're probably going to talk on the phone for another 25 minutes. We're a mess. We got stuff going up, down, left, right. But what we do know, the certainty that we do know, and I'll speak for myself and hopefully for Victor and David and other friends that are in this group. I have the certainty that I have a brother in Christ in Victor, not just a friend. Friends good. I have all kinds of different friends from different denominations and different faith backgrounds. I have a friend and brother in Christ. If I need to lean on someone, it's going to be Victor and David. And that's what makes this group special. And that's what you guys should seek out there. Don't seek for friends for pleasure. Seek someone that will help you in your soul, will bring you closer to the Lord Jesus. And by doing that, you will find peace in your heart. You will find it. You may not find peace on earth, but you'll find peace in your heart knowing that there's another person who deeply cares about you. Victor and David, they are two of these individuals. I pray that the Lord give you those blessings. I pray that this podcast be a blessing to everyone who's listened to it. I pray that for the well-being of Victor's family, for the well-being of David's family, for the well-being of you pod, uh, people listening to this podcast, and, and that this podcast and Victor's podcast help you understand and give you just one more piece of weaponry against the evil that is in this world. Take care of yourselves. God love you. For questions, comments, or concerns, please contact us at editor at saintelliasmedia.com. Also, please visit our website at saintelliasmedia.com where you will find updated articles and additional resources. The St. Elias Report is hosted by George Anthony. It is produced by Vic Hermanson. Our technical director is David Griffith. The St. Elias Report is owned and operated by St. Elias Media and is a Masabki Brothers production. It's